Welcome into a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. This is the Back from the Beach edition. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you as always. Both now stationary for a little bit uh, here in State College. I'm off the Big Ten Media Days in Chicago next week. I know Sean's got a trip coming up as well out of the state. But for now, both in Happy Valley, Lift for Life coming up here on Friday evening. We're recording Friday morning. Um, since we last spoke with you, a uh, bit of a holiday week, so so had not uh, you know spoken with you since a couple commitments. So we'll get to those. The Penn State class is suddenly up to twenty players for uh, the twenty twenty class, and additionally, roster update came through for Penn State as they get ready uh, for preseason camp in a matter of weeks. We'll assess things. There was a roster subtraction. Uh, there's also a, a position switch that is pretty notable. So we'll get into all that and more. Uh, first, go ahead, bring in Sean. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we've talked about it before. You can't really blink with this class. We took a little bit of a, a gap there to enjoy some time with our family. And, of course, there were a couple new commitments along the way. Well, before we get into that, of course, today is Lift for Life. If you're listening to us on Friday when we're recording on Friday morning, still time to donate at upliftingathletes.org. So check that out if you have time um, and can do so. Always a great event. Uh, Sean Clifford heading up the event this year, which is pretty cool. So, uh, we'll get to talk to those guys later, 4 o'clock uh, Eastern time, and then hopefully have some content pumped out of that. But yeah, Penn State uh, continues moving on its 2020 class since we last got together. Two commitments. We told you Bryce Mostello was coming, so that wasn't a surprise. On the contrary, uh, tight end Tyler Warren, uh, I guess you know, we're labeling him as a tight end because he's going to play tight end at Penn State. He's a high school quarterback, was previously committed to Virginia Tech as a quarterback, you throw on his tape as a quarterback, and you, you kind of question the Hokies in that sense because I don't think he he really fits the bill as a uh, high Division one quarterback. But still, uh, you can see the athleticism. You can see some of that. I think you see more of it in basketball. He's a three-sport athlete, also plays baseball, comes from a very athletic family. I like the kid a lot. He's not a guy that we've mentioned on the podcast. Our, our subscribers on Lions 24-7 knew about him because uh, we've talked about him at times. Very quiet, no social media presence. Rarely does interviews. Just Brian Doan was absolutely stunned that he got an interview with him last week, albeit through text. Um, but Tyler Warren, an underrated pickup. I know I've talked to people around the country. They really like what they they get in him because he's you know he's a no distraction type guy. But athletically, I mean, he's six five. Uh, ran a four seven six. So he's about two twenty five right now. Ran a four seven six at the Charlotte Nike Elite Eleven co- uh, camp earlier this spring. So athletic kid can do a lot. Reminds me body type wise of Nick Bowers. Uh, very athletic. Uh, I mean, Bowers is a very good athlete in his in his own right. I think uh, I, I think Tyler Warren sort of uh, you know is very comparable in a lot of ways to him. Although you know Bowers was a high school receiver. Uh, Warren's a high school quarterback. So uh, I like the pickup that Penn State uh, made. I mean, it's one of those guys when I think you just uh, you look at athleticism across the board. Tight end's a spot that, uh, you know, has gotten very athletic, gotten very good in the last couple of years. Uh, Fryermuth is there, but you're not sure how long he's going to be there. Bowers has gone after this year. Uh, of course, we know that, uh, that that John Holland's not on the roster anymore, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. You got Zach Koontz and Brenton Strange, who people like a lot, but you're going to keep throwing numbers at it. And this is a, this tight end class, and I think we mentioned it last week, is very good at the top of the class. And, and schools, Iowa's taken two so far. Michigan's taken two so far. 
Georgia wants to take too. And that's this pool that we're seeing for guys like Theo Johnson, um, who Penn State is still heavily in the mix for. And Cole Taylor's right there. LSU is going to take two. So schools are looking to take multiple tight, on, tight ends just based on what's there at the top of the class. Penn State's got Warren. Uh, Taylor's going to make a decision here coming up very soon. Theo Johnson, I think, is going to ride this one out a little bit longer. He's going to be back at the projected to be back at the Lash Bash and then back for an official visit. So, um, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Penn State would take three tight ends in this class. Yeah, Theo Johnson, I think, speaks book with Steve Wolfong this week. Certainly does not sound like anybody who's approaching a decision. Going to go into the season, he'll be at Penn State. We've talked about that. Uh, but the first name that came up for me when, when I saw this co- commitment with Tyler Warren and, you know, through, through Brian's coverage and learning a little bit more about his situation – Kind of took me back to Zach Gentry uh, when he was a quarterback down in New Mexico in high school. A guy that, you know, some schools like that quarterback and he had a lot of size. Now, Gentry's pushing six foot seven in that range, but he ended up at Michigan, transitioned to tight end, became one of the better tight ends in the Big Ten last year. Um, now, again, he, he's a six, seven foot guy, but the athleticism was there. And I could see, you know, that's kind of where uh, it, it took my attention a little bit a few years back into the past. And uh, with Warren, that four three one second 40 yard uh, shuttle really does stand out. Um, and I think with this kid, uh, you know, it, it's not the name you expected at tight end, but I think it goes to show, uh, you know, with the roster turnover um, and with the size that we anticipate this class to be, you have an opportunity to, to, to get guys that you're, you're going to project. And we've talked about it before. We had the analytics conversation. I think that's a big part of, of this kid's makeup. Um, and and you, you're right. We, we saw one coming with Bryce Mostella. This is one that, that came on July 3rd, right before everyone's settling in for the 4th of July took us back a little bit but but going back to that Mostella pickup he's that perimeter defensive lineman we've been talking about this class was looking for a lot of guys that you could see maybe envision transitioning to the interior in this group Uh, it's a group that has grown very quickly on the defensive front Uh, but I think with Mostella who by the way if you have not seen his uh his his commitment video give yourself a couple minutes and uh, and tweet me your reaction how about that I'd be very curious it was an interesting watch he seems like a kid who who is really going to uh, have fun w- with the process and, and is a lot more than a football player by all accounts. I heard he plays the xylophone. So get get ready to, to learn a lot more about this kid. I can't wait to talk to him more in depth. But uh, he is definitely a guy that I think on the football field, he fits a need for this team, a guy that you can get off the edge. That commitment video, man, I, 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 didn't, I didn't watch it to begin with. I was actually lifting when, whenever that came through. And Steve Lorenz from the Michigan site texted me. He said, did you watch that video? I, I usually don't watch it. You know, usually just scroll to the end and see, make sure that you, your story that you've probably already written is right. Um, but I, I sat there and watched it. Oh, oh my God. Uh, that kid certainly marches to his own drum. Um, it's, uh, it's one of the more unique ones. And it will be cited for years to come right up there with Quinn Nordine and some of these other uh, crazy ones that have come out. But I mean, all right. Well, I, if that's the way you're going to do it, you're going to do it. That's fine. So he, he he certainly expressed himself and was able to uh, to do so in a in a creative way. Uh, I'm expecting that football. to be to be shown on a projector at Arts Fest this weekend in downtown State College. It's going to be shown multiple times in the future, and including probably when he gets onto campus uh, when he oh, sits yeah. down in one of his first meetings. <laughs> uh, but speaking of football, uh, I mean, this is a pickup. This is an interesting pickup. Uh, Alan True wrote something on our site um, that, that he's just uh, we have him as a four-star. Nobody else has him as a four-star. You put on the tape, it's not four-star tape. He's, his tape, frankly, is not that great. Um, 
It's athleticism, it's frame, it's bend, it's projectability. This is a kid that's not going to be ready to play probably in the next two or three years. I mean, he's got a long, long way to go. He's got a tremendous frame. He's about 6'6". He's got a ton of room to fill out his frame. And this is the last time I want to do this. His frame does remind you of Yitor Gross Matos coming out of high school. He's got... Uh, just insane length. Uh, he's got the, the, you know, he's got athletic ability. Um, that's kind of where the comparison stopped. Yitor was a fantastic high school player. Mostella is still getting there. He's got a lot of room to grow on the football field. Um, I think once he gets, uh, you know, training specifically for that, gets into a college weight program, he's got a shot. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, you, you talk about taking a raw guy like a Jason Alway or something like that. This is in that mold. I mean, he's he's not the athlete Alway is, but no one is. Um, so you, you're taking him as a project for a couple of years down the road. Um, you see what you can get out of him and see how he develops. Um, like I said, we have him as a four-star. Everybody else has him a three-star, and I get that. So this is a all-projection, all-projectability type thing that we're doing and the Penn State staff is doing. And to be frank, uh, you look at defensive ends that are out there, guys off the board, uh, Aaron Lewis to Michigan, uh, Fidel Diggs, who they had in for an, uh, an official visit a couple weeks ago to t- Texas A&M. So defensive end pulled not that deep. But Mostella is a guy that the, a lot of schools were just so intrigued by. I don't think it's, you know, it's at the point where all these schools were ultimately going to take him. Ohio State offered him, Michigan offered him. They wouldn't have taken him at this point. But the one that I look at, and this is this is strange. Iowa knows exactly what they're looking for for that position. And they've got five defensive ends, and they still would have taken Mostella. That, to me, you, you don't always look at the offer list altogether, but you look at some of the teams that are that are still pressing at the end. Iowa still pressing for Mostella sort of raises an eyebrow. They've done tr- a tremendous job of producing on the defensive line with athletes like this, especially from the Midwest. So they know exactly what they're looking for. So it makes you wonder, you know, when you put on that tape, what's Iowa seeing? What's Penn State seeing that everyone else doesn't? Well, these are two schools that have produced very well up front. So, I mean, there, there's obviously something to work with. There's things that, uh, you know, things that can be taught eventually. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see where this one goes. I mean, it might it might wash out wash out in a couple of years and, and we'll look back and say, well, he just wasn't the football player and didn't, never never made those strides. But at the same time, there's there's something to work with here, and I think that's what a lot of people are missing. Yeah, Sean Spencer at this point definitely has the benefit of the doubt in his evaluation of defensive line prospects. And, and you talked about intrigue. That's the key word for me, uh, really, w- with a lot of what Penn State is doing on their defensive front. Chris Hummer talked a li- about this a little bit. A guy like Jason Away, a lot of it's about projectability. Uh, what you see in high school or what you see even on the basketball court when, when the kid's 16 years old, you say, what's he going to look like at 20 years old, two or three years into a college program? And when we got him kind of nuanced a little bit, Jason Away falls in that category. Visa Isaac, I think, does a little bit. Smith Vilbert, who, who focused on basketball a lot. And now I think you add this kid, Mostella, to the list. Uh, and that's without even mentioning Joseph Darkwa, who makes the trip across the pond soon to join this program. And he's a guy that few of us know much about. So I, I think intrigue is the key word. And with Sean Spencer, uh, the way he implements these rotations, I mean, I can't imagine the imagination he's got going right now. The good news is you got this young stable. I know Mostella is not part of the equation in 2019, but it's also a group that right now, even with Sharif Miller out of the equation, it's top heavy in veteran leadership. So I think it's a very strong room because you're not going to have to force these kids into action. And we know Spencer doesn't want to do that anyways, but you're going to have, I think, a a nice balance there of accountability, the veterans and guys who are just really making strides behind the scenes. Uh, And I think that's kind of going to be where Mostella needs to fit in uh, initially at Penn State, a guy who's going to do a lot of his work uh, away from the eyes of the media. 
One more note on Tyler Warren. I mentioned he's a three-sport athlete, all-region in basketball, all-region in baseball, in addition to football, obviously. Uh, Hit 469 with 25 RBIs and uh, 734 slugging percentage this year. So, I mean, he's uh, all-metro punter, too. I don't want to leave that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a really, really good all-around athlete. I think he's going to surprise some people. ESPN has him as a four-star. I'm kind of surprised by that uh, based on scouting. But uh, ESPN has him as a four-star. would not be shocked if he moved in that direction. I mean, I think he's kind of a, you know, you, you don't want to generalize here as an old-school type guy. But <laughs> you look at quarterbacks and guys who commits places to be quarterbacks that you know are going to end up at other positions. And they don't want to hear that. They don't want to do that. This guy was a quarterback, committed to Virginia Tech in state school as a quarterback. Um, he just opened up his recruitment to pursue other options at another position. You don't see that very often. So kind of tells you about the mindset of Tyler Warren. I think that's very interesting and noteworthy. We'll add to that tight end room. We'll see what happens with Cole Taylor and Theo Johnson. Uh, again, they take all three right now. Uh, I don't think any questions asked, but uh, it's uh, it's it certainly it turns your head. It, it, it just it's an eyebrow raiser, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. So Tyler Warren, I think good pickup. Mostella pickup for a couple of years down the road. So another productive week for Penn State on the trail. Sean, you're the best at projecting where Penn State's recruiting classes are going to go. I know you never had Tyler Warren penciled in. Uh, I, I don't. I, it just actually. It, yeah, did you? you know what? That day, <laughs> the day I did all, you were the just about balls, to type it. No, the day I did all the crystal balls, I'm like, I should put one in for Tyler Warren, but I've never talked to the kid. I've never talked to anyone around the kid. All the information that I had on Tyler Warren was coming from a different source. So I couldn't really do that. Um, We mentioned him on the boards uh, a bunch of times, actually, um, as a guy to keep an eye on, but I had no timeline, no decision. So I kind of regret that, um, not doing anything with it, but it's, it's one of those things where I was talking to Doan about it. I was like, cause we had talked about him before and Doan had tried to get in touch with him and get in touch with the coach and it just didn't work. I think he texted with him when he, when he committed to Virginia tech, it didn't work. So we had no Intel coming from that side. So that kind of get me. And I, and I also didn't want to burn, you know, the kid with a crystal ball. And, and then all of a sudden he's like, what the, what the hell's going on here? Who's, who's burning me. So, uh, so I did have that thought, but I, couldn't pull the trigger on it, and I, I I do regret it, but I also don't regret it at all. So. A, tw- a Twitter list recruit is a very rare thing in today's world. So, dude, <laughs> I've still got an Instagram request from about three months ago that he has not approved. So I'm gonna Oof. have to talk to him about that if I ever can get him on the phone, which I obviously am not going yeah, to. Yeah, got to make that cut. So in the aftermath, now you've got your tight end on board, a tight end on board again. As Sean said, expect to grow on that positional class. Uh, five defensive linemen now with the addition of Mastella in this group, and now 20 commitments total. Sean and 14 of them since June 3rd uh, I mean it's just, again we, we've talked about this I don't want to harp on it too much but but only six of these 20 guys were in this class on the morning of June 3rd you know it, it's what July 12th now and, and everything you know the complexion has changed and I think a lot of people now are saying you're up to 20 there's still five six months left till signing day What's next? And, and we know, you know, Lash Bash will be coming up. You got another camp set up here, Sean. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly going to be interesting to see what the approach is here as this class has grown so quickly. Um, I, I, and, and they haven't gone out there and, and got a chance to show what we've said is going to be the most important part of this 2020 recruiting cycle for Penn State is to get back on the football field and show that they've remedied some issues from 2018 uh, and get back on track, I think, specifically offensively. They didn't get a chance to do that yet, but but this class has just transformed so quickly. 
Well, it's big, and there's still spots out there, and they still have uh, time to work with. You've got you think about it, no running back. I mean, Kaziah Holmes is the guy that you're looking at. Jalen Berger's still out there. Uh, Kevon Lee, a couple of guys across the country that they're still working on. So that's that's one of those things. I mean, you know, Noah Kane popped up late. So I mean, that the, that's always a possibility. Receiver, you've got guys like Josh Downs, guys like. Uh, uh, Keandre Lambert, you know, who you hear some good things about Penn State. And then uh, Malik Mega uh, from Canada might be a wild card as well. And, you know, there, there, there's always these guys that are committed elsewhere. They're going to check the check things out. Um, Florida as as well. You know, if you've got Jaywan Sider, you've got a shot. So or at least to get these guys on campus. So the, the kid that committed to uh, uh, decommitted from South Carolina at the opening, uh, Isaiah Walker, um, might take an official visit. So that might be something to watch there. I mean, it's just one of those things. Sider's got a lot of irons in the fire down there. You don't hear about them all the time, but when it comes to, uh, you know, coming around and setting up official visits, that might be a spot where Penn state pops up and, and a few guys just pop off of the radar. And before we shift out of recruiting, I do think that, that the lash bash is always a great opportunity to, to serve as a springboard for that rising junior class. So the 2021 group, I think you're going to start to, to really see some, not necessarily movement in terms of, of, of a bunch of commitments coming through, but we're going to really start to get a feel for, for who's really invested in potentially playing at Penn State, who's maybe going to distance themselves. I think between now and the start of the season, we'll really start to, to see some trends building in that 2021 class. As, again, the 2020 class, all of a sudden up to 20 guys, that's ranked 10th right now in the 247 composite class ranking so and you'd like to get some guys there with with dante thornton because thornton's been out visiting some other spots so you want to get him some friends yeah yeah give him some (laughs) friends not press not press or anything give him some friends give him the opportunity to be a leader in that class and go from there so and plus you want to you know you want to get a quarterback i mean it's it's looking more and more like kayla williams is going to head to georgia uh, which is not a surprise but you'd like to stay in it longer and give him a chance to see what you can do on the field um, but it's uh, you, you've got a lot of, uh, you know, we talked about it last time on the show. You've got a lot of guys that, that have Penn State offers that have been on campus that have worked with Ricky Ronnie and the, the offensive staff. So you've got an opportunity to, to, to cash in, even if it's not, you know, the, the number one guy. Uh, Penn State providing a roster update uh, just a few days ago. Uh, the last time we got one was was March before the spring practice session opened. So, uh, Sean, obviously, we always overanalyze this thing. We're, we're in that profession, and uh, it didn't take much to really a couple takeaways. The first is Jonathan Holland is no longer on the roster. He was, uh, you know, going to be a fifth year senior on this team. A guy who. Uh, you know, was viewed as a potential breakout last year. The opportunity was there for him. The reps were there early in the season. Obviously, we know at tight end, that became the Pat Fryer move. Show us things went on. Nick Bowers uh, really elevated his status in that room, stayed healthy. And and now I think, you know, this was completely expected on our end. Uh, but now it's official. And, and Holland, as far as we understand, still enrolled at the university, but no longer a member of the Nittany Lions football program at this point. Yeah, he did not practice in the spring. We saw him at the spring game uh, arriving with a bunch of former players at, or before the game outside the stadium. So kind of the writing on the wall. We do, we haven't figured Holland into our plans for, for a long time uh, at Lions 24-7. But yeah, it's one of those situations. I want you to go back and read what Terry Smith said. I wrote a story about the back seven and it's about the defense and all that stuff. But if you if you read the first two comments from Terry Smith, he talks about how much they've recruited in the last couple of years, the talent, the length, the the, the size, the speed, all that kind of stuff. They sort of recruited over some of those other guys from the, the, the I guess, the post-sanction era, I guess you could call it. 
Um, so it, it's, it was really interesting comment to me about how they, these guys have passed them. And then, then you, you figure the portal into everything. You talk about guys like Brandon Polk and Juwan Johnson, and you've got guys that are playing um, you know, younger than them that are playing above them. And that kind of makes sense with John Holland. You you had Fryermuth come in. I mean, if Holland stays, what is he the the, the fourth maybe maybe fourth tight end? Um, so I mean, it's one of those situations. I think the the writing was on the wall. It's unfortunate how it happened. I mean, he he was behind Mike Gesicki for a long time. He looked ready to sort of break out and be at least a solid guy. Um, did okay. Um, made a couple of catches. I think Illinois had that fumble, and that's kind of the last time we saw him. Fryermuth took it, ran with it, and went with it. Nick Bowers got healthy, and then all of a sudden things turn on their heads. And so, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those situations where it's it's not a surprise at all. But uh, I think it's indicative of the way that this roster has moved as a whole. And we're going to work down the depth chart a little bit long, uh, a little bit later in the episode. But uh, I mean, you see it all over the place. Saw it at receiver, see it at tight end. I mean, you've seen it in the secondary at linebackers. I think is a great uh, is, is probably better than anyone because you had three scholarship linebackers. Um, you know, maybe one of them was in the two deep. Jarvis Miller might have been in the two deep, but they all passed by guys that either just got on campus or were you know going to be there uh, be there soon. Uh, so I mean it's uh it's really interesting. So um, the the, the 2015-2016 recruiting classes presence on this roster right now is 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 really not huge. And I think we've talked about this before. I think this team is going to go as far as those younger players on the roster are are going to be able to step up and take it because they're the mass transfers that everyone talked about this winter. We discussed it. These were not guys that were stunners. I mean, Jawan Johnson obviously is someone that you figure uh, could have helped your team. I, I think it became clear that Brandon Polk uh, was just not as good as some of these young, younger receivers last year. Jawan Johnson, I think you still you buy into the potential there, even with one year left. But aside from him, really, it's a bunch of guys who were primed to be, you know, third guys at their position. You know, Danny uh, Danny Dalton at tight end as well, and, and you went over at linebacker. This is because of the recruiting success the last few years. This is how it works out. Uh, this is how every championship program across the country, you look across their rosters and the and the changeover that happens. Um, it often is those fourth year guys who, you know, whether they were big time recruits or not coming out of high school, um, you know, the pendulum has kind of swung for their career in their current situation. And they might be loved in that locker room, but they can see they're not going to get the reps in the football field. Uh, they can respect football talent when they see it in front of them. And Penn State's loaded up. Uh, on the youth movement, and, and and Sean's article that he references from this week, so you should be able to find that pretty easily. Uh, specifically, looking at that uh, defensive back seven and, and what they've done there, uh, good insight there. Um, Sean, additionally, um, there is a departure from the running back room, but but he will be adding to the defensive backfield. C.J. Holmes, who was a scholarship player at Notre Dame a couple of years ago at running back, had eight carries as a freshman. Uh, transferred last year after he was dismissed from Notre Dame. Uh, shoplifting charges involved there. Those were eventually dismissed. But he's a walk-on at Penn State. He's a guy who spent his first year on campus uh, you know, learning from Jaywan Sider. You add Devin Ford. You add Noah Kane. We know they already have Ricky Slade, Journey Brown. Um, I think this makes a ton of sense. And he's a kid who was considered, I was reading a, a Brian Doan's scouting report on, on Holmes coming out of high school up in, up in Connecticut, and he mentioned the fact that this kid could definitely be a Power 5 defensive back if that's where a coaching staff, if that's where he wants to take it. Um, he'll have his opportunity now. Uh, it's obviously going to be a, a transition for him. I, I don't think we can expect immediate fireworks, but we saw this kid at, at camps you know, walking alongside Lamont Wade, and, and, and he looks the part. He's an impressive-looking young man. 
but he's got a lot to prove with this Penn State program, and, and he's going to go a different avenue now. And if you followed our coverage and kind of have read some of the stuff that Jaylen Sider has implied, uh, this doesn't come as a surprise. And I think it's 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 a nice addition to the defensive backfield. From a running back standpoint, really doesn't do a ton uh, for the room. I know some people expected a little bit more out of him last year, or at least you know going into this year. But I think the the key thing here is you add Noah Kane, you add Devin Ford, who I think the the, the strength and conditioning staff are very excited to have Devin Ford on, on campus. Um, but you add those guys to the mix and really no room for Holmes. Uh, this is a guy that Penn State recruited as a wide receiver originally um, back when before he went to Notre Dame as a running back. So there was talk about moving him to receiver. That didn't happen because of the, you know, the, the I guess not the log jam, but the numbers at wide receiver. So you put him over at safety. You can see what he can get out of it. Um, I agree with you that he is a, a power five athlete. He's a guy that's, that's shown that he can hang, but um, really not sure which position fits. So if you can move him over to safety at the situation that you have where you, you don't have a lot of depth, uh, a lot of experience, you have a decent amount of numbers, but uh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens with C.J. Holmes. Um, not sure whether it'll click over there or not, but, uh, you know, you take that chance. You see where he can help you out the most. And, you know, does he help you on special teams? Can he get out on the field this, this season? I think that's really the, the, the main thing to take, take away from it. And also, Holmes still has three years of eligibility left, so he can really sink his teeth into the safety spot, maybe earn a scholarship. We'll find out where his road leads, but but he has a lot of room to work with compared to a lot of kids who've changed schools during their college career. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Well, there's been a lot of discussion about Penn State's uh, strength and conditioning program uh, led by Dwight Galt. Uh, the proof has been in the pudding, as they say, when, when you see what they've accomplished uh, sending these guys to the NFL scouting combine. Uh, a lot of national talk, a lot of national buzz. So we are very interested every time these roster updates come through. We see these guys uh, uh, periodically at camps and stuff. You can see physically the way they're developing. This gives us something a little more tangible. Of course, always tricky to read too deeply into these rosters, but uh, we did document some notable uh, weight gainers and weight losers. And, um, you know, starting on the offensive end, a guy that's going to be counted on a bunch this year, uh, we saw kind of his role fade a bit during the second half of the 2018 season. But KJ Hamler should be primed for a big time season. He's up eight pounds now, Sean, uh, according to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to Penn State's new roster update. Um, and I think that's important because he's, you know, came in as a, as a slender speed guy. Um, he's starting to look more like an adult KJ Hamler. I know he just turned 20 years old, and um, that's important, you know, in terms of durability. I think. Yeah, I think so. He's going to get pounded around a lot, uh, especially playing out of the slot, returning kicks, uh, potentially returning punts as well. So any any um, any weight that you can put on him, good weight, obviously. 
that you can put on him. I don't think it's going to impact his speed all that much. So just anything that you can add to him to take that pounding is going to be a good thing. Hamler is certainly one of those ones that jumps out at you. Uh, I mean, you you wrote a thing the other day. Of, it's basically just a general roster update with some notables. You went on, went along to Zach Koontz. This is an interesting one because I I, I feel people obsess about this one more than anything, really. Um, Zach Koontz was not going to play as a freshman. He's not going to really, I don't think, have a big impact as a redshirt freshman. This is a guy that's six, seven and a half. Takes a while to build those guys up. He's a basketball player, athlete type athlete. He's actually he looks like a volleyball player when you're talking about athletic build. 243 pounds. I think he's in a good spot. He wants to be near that 250 mark by the time he gets into uh, into the season. Will he get there? I don't think it matters all that much. You've got Fryermuth and, and Bowers, where you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel this year, where you're going to see both of those guys on the field. So, I mean, having him at 250 pounds is not a break, make or break type thing. He eventually will get there. I, I saw we we saw him when we talked to the freshman back in June. I thought he looked great. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's not about getting the weight on and you saw that with guys like judge Culpepper and especially Aeneas Hawkins it's not about getting the weight there it's about but getting the good weight and I think he's 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 on a good pace right now yeah and I think he's confident that he's on the right track he talked a lot to me about the caloric intake and, and the amount of just 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 food he is eating over the course of the day so people out there wondering why Zach Koontz isn't gaining weight quicker he is trying as best as he can to fill his stomach on a daily basis and I think 243 pounds right now that's okay. You got to like that. I think with him and Fryermuth, they said coming into coming into the program, they thought they were going to be uh, they could be the best t- tight end tandem in college football eventually. You know, I still think it can get there. And 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 Pat Fryermuth's already really elevated his game in, in a short period of time. We'll see what it, uh, awaits Koontz. But I don't think there's anything to be really alarmed about there. He's not someone you need to hasten uh, uh, his development. Steven Gonzalez is down eight points. You know, that's uh, eight pounds. That stuck out a little bit because he was almost 350 uh, in the March update. He's a guy that, that you're going to expect a lot from uh, accountability-wise at, at left guard. But I think one that stood out to me, really two guys that are vying for the same position across the line at right guard, C.J. Thorpe is down eight pounds, transitioning back from defensive tackle. Uh, he is now listed six foot three, 322 pounds. And then Mike Miranda actually dips under the 300 pound mark. Now the other guy who's really contender at right guard, he goes from 311 to 295 pounds like Thorpe. He stands six foot three. Um, So clearly two guys that are working their way into the best physical condition that they can be in the way Penn State's wants them to be because they got a, they got a battle coming up and it's one that we think could push into September. Well, I like Gonzalez going down, obviously, and it doesn't need to be 350 pounds. Um, and granted, these, these weights, I mean, they, they come from Dwight Galt. They go to Chris Peterson, the SID. She puts them in and just doesn't really think twice about it. That's what she's told to do, so she does that. So these weights are, some of them are good. Some of them, as we'll get to, some of them are kind of crazy. But I like seeing Thorpe down a little bit. Um, you know, he, he's going to be asked to do more this year. He's going to play a lot, I think. And Miranda's going to play a lot. Had an injury at the end of the spring, so... You know, 295 is not bad for him. I mean, I, you just look at where he needs. I mean, he's not a big guy. He does not have a, a big frame to work with. Um, his 6'3", I think, is a little bit different than C.J. Thorpe's 6'3", when you're talking about body makeup and frame. So putting him there is not, I, I don't think, is a big deal. you got to have both those guys ready. Both of them are going to play this year. I think, uh, for me, a couple that stand out out of the 2018 class, two of the team's top signees from their highly ranked 2018 class, Rashid Walker P.J. Mustafer, both in double-digit weight gains. Uh, Rashid Walker, this is exactly what the blueprint was for him, Sean. He was that athletic, 
skinny tackle coming out, a guy who showed his athleticism as an all-state selection, as a defensive lineman as well uh, during his days down at North Point High School in Maryland. He's now up to six foot six, 324 pounds. This looks like your starting left tackle as a redshirt freshman. Like, there's going to be a ton of pressure. I really don't think people are talking enough about the fact that they're going to have uh, a redshirt freshman at left tackle with a first-year quarterback to protect. But Rasheed Walker has looked apart for a long time and, and, and projecting him He's, he's really there, and I'm impressed by those strides. Mustafer up to 311 pounds. He was listed at 300 pounds back in March. We got to stand up close to him uh, back in May, and, or June, I think it was, and, and you said he looked like he was going to beat me up. So uh, I tell you what, P.J. Mustafer, Rashid Walker, both those guys for, for top five prospects at their position coming out of high school, this is exactly the trajectory you'd hope for uh, during you know going into their second season. No doubt about it. These guys are, are different sized athletes, and we talked about that a little bit ago in terms of the 2018 class just being on a different in a different breed. And Walker, right where he needs to be, uh, 324 is pretty heavy, but if you, you stand beside him, this dude is massive. Mustafer, 311, uh, no problem with that whatsoever. So these, I think these red shirt, uh, quasi red shirt type guys. Uh, Walker played a little bit last year. Um, it's a good. It's a, it's the time to add weight. You see the sort of the the entire true freshman season just sort of playing off of them. So, I mean, it's it, it's a good spot for both of those guys. Moving on, uh, defensive end, uh, two guys that I think are going to have, uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of this year. Shaka Tony, who nobody seems to admit one, is the starter right now. Um, he's a guy that everybody keeps saying is, is always too light and is always a situational pass rusher. You're going to see him, I think you're going to see him start the season at the, at the defensive end position, play three down football and uh Shane Simmons right there as well. Shane looks phenomenal. I mean this kid it's right around I think he's two fifty nine, two sixty, something like that. He's right around there. It's all about staying healthy for Simmons. I mean there's no doubt about it. Uh he's not been able to do so so far. Six three, two fifty nine is what the roster has him at. Um but you gotta keep him healthy and if he stays healthy, he's been moving well. I've been talking to people, you know, you talk about the the uh conditioning program and the agility program. I mean he, he looks like he's doing okay, so Sort of knock on wood. Excuse me. Sort of knock on wood. We'll see where he's at come August. But if he's healthy, he's going to contribute. Yeah, walking on campus, uh, you see this kid in, in shirts and 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 shorts. Uh, you know, at a, at a practice or at a camp event, and he looks like he's you know entering his second year in the NFL physically. He is, he is right where he wants to be. And it, for both those guys, Shaka Tony, Shane Simmons, every opportunity available to them right now as redshirt juniors, as we talked, and, and Penn State's going to need them to step up. Defensive backfield, one that stood out to me a little bit, and, and this is a player who is, you know, worked worked through a, a major event midway through his career with a torn ACL. John Reed, obviously trying to get back in that rhythm last year. There were some down moments early. He had to step to the sideline for a bit, uh, open the door for more of T- Tariq Castro Fields as the season progressed. But uh, he seemed to be hitting his stride a bit towards the tail end of the regular season into the bowl season. And now John Reed at, at 181 pounds at five foot ten, he was previously listed at 189 and on the opposite end of that spectrum Sean Lamont Wade who is now vying for that starting safety spot uh, I know that we'll get to the depth chart in a moment there but he looks like he's in a pretty good spot now, he is actually up seven pounds and, and five foot nine 199 pounds very solid looking young man is Lamont Wade well he looks like a safety and we said that before last season so that jump that he made from corner after his true freshman season to, to safety was a big development. This, of course, is just building on that. The one that gets me, Tariq Castro-Fields, and, and you were joking before, did they just not update the roster before? Because there's no way this guy was 181 pounds last year uh, or in the spring. 
He's now at 197, which I think is about where he probably was in the 190s, somewhere in there. This kid, I think, is going to have a big year. I'm really excited to see what he can do athletically. Uh, he's just a different breed back there. So uh, really, really curious to see. You know, I'm not sure he put on 16 pounds or whatever, but really <laughs> curious to see what he does with the with the size. And I guess he'll be featured a little bit more with Amani gone. Um, you know, they didn't throw at him a ton. He started, I think, one or two or two, two games, I think, or maybe three, I don't know. But he wasn't a full-time starter, but they can they can uh, considered him a starter. Uh, I think a big year is ahead of Tariq Castro-Fields. And one more with the uh, defensive backfield. Keaton Ellis is no longer uh, the 165-pound <laughs> kid that you and I know. He's at 190 and 5'11". I think he's going to play this year. Yeah, Keaton Ellis, Tariq Castro-Fields, fully expect both those guys to, to impress a cornerback. And obviously Castro-Fields. I'll just say this about Castro-Fields. I think at the national level – he is the guy most overlooked in this Penn State defense. There's a lot of respect being thrown in the direction of, of the Nittany Lions defense in these preseason projections and stuff. I think here at the local level, a lot of us who cover Penn State on a daily basis really anticipate a big season for Tariq Castro-Fields, but he's been absent from a lot of these preseason t- uh, all Big Ten teams. I, I'm right there with you. I think he, he is primed for a big one. And that's understandable. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, he's not going to get the recognition that we, we, I mean, we know him, we see him, you know, pretty much every day we see him. And I'm sure people look at the starts, right? They look at who, oh, he only started two games last year, but we know how much he played. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The other one that stood out to me here, I mean, well, there's a bunch, but at linebacker, he's become the forgotten man. I don't think there's any denying it. Charlie Catch here, uh, you know, really, really impressive, uh, you know, in-state prospect, uh, dealt with some shoulder injuries in high school that definitely impacted his ability to develop physically. Played some safety, played a lot of offense. Linebacker, full-time transition here at Penn State. He's done it behind the scenes. Didn't see game action last year. Came in with Jesse Lucetta and Micah Parsons. And now you got Lance Dixon and Brandon Smith thrown into the mix. Very easy to forget that Charlie Catch here uh, is a young, you know, intriguing member of this linebacker group. And we've always talked about for him, uh, physical development. Can he hold up at this level of football? He's gone from 6'3", 214 to 6'3", 229 pounds. And I can tell you, speaking with him on the field the freshman media day, he feels very good about leaving behind those medical issues, some of the physical issues he had at the prep level. And I think that's hugely important because there's no way he can go about his business and develop in this group of linebackers if he's not ready to take that kind of physical brute force on, on you know on a consistent basis yeah physicality was the thing that we've always pointed to with with catcher because he's behind cam brown and of course lance dixon comes in the staff they love lance dixon the strength staff loves lance dixon um can, really has a ton of potential there but catcher not not the natural linebacker um more of a safety type rover type guy now he's been able to add the weight. Uh, is the shoulder healthy enough for him to put that weight on? I think that's the thing to take away from this. If if they're ready to put that weight on him, that means that he can lift, he can do things. Shoulders, never a good thing for uh, for a linebacker. But uh, if they're ready to put the weight on and move forward, this is a good sign for him. And he's athletic enough. He can contribute on special teams. I think he can play on a bunch of special teams. Yeah, and, the, and another sign here that, that I think uh, Brenton Strange could, could be one to watch here. As good as this tight end room is, it got better when it added Brenton Strange. He was up to 233 pounds compared to his initial listing of 222 pounds uh, when he arrived on campus. So, you know, 6'3", 233. I, I, I think you've said this before. If he's 6'3", then I guess I'm six foot, and, and I haven't realized it my entire life. But I think that when it comes to Penn State's tight end room, 
it's in such a good spot, and this kid is is another one to be excited about. Zach Kuntz, and this isn't really a surprise, but Zach Kuntz said he was really impressed by just how much further along in his career uh, Brenton Strange was in a lot of aspects versus where Zach was. And, and he, Zach enrolled early, Brenton enrolled early. This is not Pat Fryermuth, someone who's already 255 pounds and ready to bulldoze everybody. He played a lot of, uh, out wide at high school. There's going to be nuances he needs to learn, but... Brendan Strange, the physical development and the feedback we've heard early from guys like Tyler Bowen, Pat Fryermuth, uh, and, and Zach Koontz leads me to believe that, that this is one that uh, could be a sneaky player to make an impact during his first year on campus. But again, it could be tough at that spot. I think we're going to see him in September. And, and I don't know that that means he's necessarily going to burn the red shirt. Um, still fourth on the depth chart. You know, he's going to, you know, the, the two guys are going to play a lot. Koontz is going to play some and Strange is going to be in the mix as well. Caught the ball well in the blue-white game. So Excited to see what he can do in the long term. Don't need him right now. So I think he's going to be one of those guys that are on the border um, that they kind of play with this this rule. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see where they go with this. And plus, if you're you know if you're going to take potentially two three tight ends, you don't necessarily need to keep a red shirt on him just in terms of class spacing and things like that. So um, uh, this one could go either way. They're they're incredibly high on what he's been able to do. Uh, he's he's gotten so much heavier since he got here. I think that. 233 is up from 222, which was up from about 205 when he camped at Penn State. So uh, certainly has put on a lot of weight in the last couple of years and and excited to see what he can do with Holland out of the way. He's going to get some reps. I'm expecting a, a big third quarter from him against Buffalo in week three. Um, now, Adiza Isaac, Brandon Smith, two of the reasons I think that, uh, you know, we continue to be excited, Sean, about what Penn State could have in front of it, uh, not just this year, but moving ahead in the defensive front seven. Just so much athleticism, so much size. These are two great examples. Adiza Isaac, who enrolled early, both of these players did. Uh, big time pass rusher who committed to Penn State uh, during the winter and, and six foot four, 232 pounds on the spring roster. Now he's listed 241. He has a, he's been a kid who's, I think, impressed and passed that eyeball test every time we've seen him on campus. And then Brandon Smith up to 240 pounds from his initial weight of 231. Uh, six foot three, two forty. Brandon Smith. He's a guy that that was considered the top outside linebacker um, in the entire country by twenty four seven Sports. I believe Adiza Isaac was considered a top five to ten uh, edge rusher, a pass rusher. Really excited about both these guys and their long term potential, and, and it seems like they're off to a good start in the weight room. They're next level guys, no doubt about uh, as athletes, as frames, as everything like that. They're next level guys. Um, we'll see how they respond. They're going to have to work their way through some crowded spots on the depth chart, um, but I expect to see these guys in September as well. I think the staff has a better hold on what how they can use these guys and how they can sort of play with that rule to, to help them out. Um, Adisa is going to be a dude down the road. I, I've talked to enough people that I feel comfortable saying that we know what we're, we know what we're going to see about about Brandon Smith, uh, whether he's a Mike, whether he's a Will, where he fits into the picture. He'll get there eventually. Uh, it's just a lot of guys in front of him. Yeah, and Brandon Smith's a guy who, for the last three years of his high school career, was always kind of referred to as that uh, you know, Swiss Army knife of sorts on defense. Excited to see what lies ahead for him. Uh, just some other notable things as these freshmen were added to the roster for the first time. Uh, not the early enrollees, won't go over that, but Akeem Beeman checking in at six foot three, two 259 pounds. Uh, Mark Brennan had some photos from these guys down uh, uh, at, at the Arts Fest Kids Day, and, and, and Beeman definitely showed up. We've talked about him maybe being a guy who ends up at defensive tackle, and 
initially listed at defensive end. Uh, Joseph Darkwa is listed at 272, but I think we're still kind of waiting for, for he's his still arrival. For his yeah. Visa. yeah. So uh, that's going to be a couple of weeks, I think, until he's on campus. I, I think everything's clear from a Penn State perspective. It's just uh, getting his visa, and that's uh, not as easy as I think it's been in the past. I think Florida, I saw, had a kid uh, from the Bahamas who was denied a visa. So, uh, you know, you hope that goes through and, and, and everything works out. And you, and you add some size at wide receiver, you know, six foot one, 179 pounds. John Dunmore, still pretty slender, uh, but he has the frame to fill out. And then TJ Jones, a little bit bigger than I actually uh, maybe anticipated, six foot one, 196 pounds there at wide receiver as well. Uh, and the other one I'll get to, I talk about a kid that we've said, you know, look, Ricky Slay's there, Journey Brown's there, Noah Kane's there, but just let's see what happens when Devin Ford gets to campus. He showed up ready. He's five foot 11, 194 pounds. I don't know what the kid's body fat percentage is, but it has to be pretty damn slim, and it will get even slimmer uh, with this program in this. And again, I'm not saying Devin Ford is going to go and leapfrog everybody. I'm just saying, let's give this some time and see what he can do. Well, if you're Journey Brown, I mean, you got you to <laughs> yeah, look no behind you. You see Noah Kane, who had a really strong spring. Then you see Devin Ford come into the program, and Devin Ford is, has turned some heads already. So. That, uh, that running back group is, is going to be nothing if not interesting. So we'll, we'll see where that comes. But with the new roster comes our new projected depth chart on Lions 24-7. Uh, you can check it out on the site, as I know a lot of you have done. Thank you for doing that. Um, but there's, there's a ton to take away from it. Of course, it's all uh, conjecture on our part. You know, you know, a lot of that comes from talking to people in the program and figuring out you know, where guys are going to be. But uh, there's some things just jump out at you. Of course, no more Tommy Stevens. We put Sean Clifford up there. I don't think that surprises everybody or anybody. Will Levis is, is certainly intriguing there. Um, you're going to get a chance to get him some ideal reps in August. Um, you know, he took all scout team reps last year, so you're going to get a chance to get him some varsity reps. So that's big. Running backs, as we just mentioned, you got Noah Kane and, and, and uh, Devin Ford creeping up. And then we get to wide receiver. That's Really interesting because outside of KJ Hamler and Jahan Dotson, you're not really sure where this one's going to go. We listed Justin Shorter as a starter. I feel like he's the guy right now. But, of course, Daniel George is at that position. You've got Weston Carr coming in, who I think fits the Z position fairly well. You've got a bunch of, uh, you know, you've got a couple of freshmen coming. You've got those redshirt sophomores and Cam Sullivan Brown and uh, and Matt Kipp and Hammer. So there's a lot of wild cards to go. And Dan Chisena, who, of course, had a really good spring as well. A lot of guys that I think you can see getting catches from. It's just uh, working into that rotation, seeing where these guys uh, pop up and, and 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 really how Jared Parker handles all of his new guys. Two of these guys that you have listed as you know third team options. I think things were looking a bit rosier last year at this time. Cam Sullivan Brown, Matt Hippenhammer, now redshirt sophomores. Major major microscope on those two for me this year, Sean, because the way we see guys make these transfer positions uh, decisions, I should say, I think this year is, is going to be important for those players. And uh, you know, you've got Weston Carr right now coming in as a grad transfer, very successful at Division Two level, uh, ahead of Matt Kippenhammer there, still slotted behind Jahan Dotson. But Dotson, George Shorter, this is kind of what I expected last year, but they have all surpassed, uh, you know, those two redshirt sophomores, uh, and and you know, you've got that reflected on this depth chart. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be about who can catch the ball. I mean, we were talking about a great depth chart last year, and all of a sudden, nobody could catch the no ball. Kidding. So uh, Clifford needs to get him the ball. They need to catch the ball. Uh, analysis you will only find here on Lions twenty four seven podcast. <laughs> um, be, moving beyond that, the offensive line. 
plenty of questions. I mean, that's there's nothing new. Is that the same thing every year? You're replacing Ryan Bates and Connor McGovern. You throw in Rasheed Walker. You throw in either C.J. Thorpe, Mike Miranda. I think the thing that to take away from this one, not the deepest unit. Um, you're still figuring out what you're going to do at tackle. Of course, yeah, you know, you expect Will Fries to be there, but but what do you have in Des Holmes and Anthony Wigan? Des Holmes needs to take a step forward. Anthony Wigan, of course, needs to spend the summer in the weight room as he's doing. So we'll, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what uh, Wigan's going to look like tonight at Lift for Life if we see him uh, work out at Lift for Life because. Uh, you know, in terms of foot speed, in terms of uh, a lot of the, the things that you look for, he's there. In terms of bend, in terms of flexibility, he's there. Uh, in terms of strength, he's not there. So we'll see where that goes. And then moving inside, uh, I can't stress enough um, how much the str- the Scruggs car accident injury, you know, he hopes to be back this year, Juice Scruggs. Um, but I can't stress enough how much that impacts. He would have played this year. I feel very confident in saying that he would have been able to to be into that mix. And then you have five interior guys with Gonzalez and Mennett and Miranda and Thorpe and then, of course, uh, Juice Scruggs. So if you had five guys to work with, I think we would have seen all five. Then you can slide Bryce Effner out to tackle. Now all of a sudden you see Bryce Effner back at guard. So every little thing changes things. Uh, an unfortunate situation, and I hope he gets healthy. I hope we can see him back as soon as possible. But the Scruggs thing really changed things uh, up front for Penn State. And Sean, just reading some of the comments from, from the death chart uh, story you posted on Thursday, um, you know, I think people were you know, a little surprised to see Bryce Seffner there as a second team guard. I wasn't because, you know, we've, we've been talking about this guy for a while and, and him being a swing player. But something that was notable, you got Caden Wallace right now slotted a, as a, a third team tackle. Um, you know, it's been a topic of discussion f- for us where he would end up. Obviously, he was a top five guard prospect in the 24-7 uh, rankings coming out of high school. But we, we talked about it before. He-, he told us here on the podcast that tackle was something they had discussed um, and-, and something that was definitely a possibility based on personnel needs. Now, he's listed at 330 pounds in this update. That was a head scratcher for me. Uh, he-, he didn't really deny it out there on-, on Twitter. So I guess he's in that ballpark, but he looks like he's carrying it well. Um, but but he's somebody you know I, I, that that I texted you I said oh okay Caden Wallace over at tackle interesting I'm gonna say no on that 330 pounds he was yeah I, I don't I don't see it either, at the All American Bowl in January <laughs> um, so that's one thing that I think it might be now he looks now I, I've checked in on some things and of course checked in on whether or not he'd start at guard at tackle heard he's gonna start at tackle so we listed him there um, heard he looks massive I mean he looks he looks great I mean he's just uh, this is a kid that that really transformed his body and we've talked about this a couple of times really transformed his his outlook I mean there's not all, not just his body but his athleticism improved because he dropped all that weight um, where is he at right now don't have a firm number but I, I can I think it's not 333 as he's listed um, some people well, I mean Sean the, the best the best thing here is since he got to campus and you know I think he showed up on Mother's Day um, he's gotten a chance to do the buildup whereas a lot of linemen come in and it's the breakdown right away and he already took care of that on his own time so that gave him a head start we talked about that yeah so if he's 310 315 that's great I mean he's he's not at, at a baby fat type of uh, position with that so um, the, the, he looks athletic he's he's been able to move around the strength staff has, has said some good things about him so uh, I think he's one of those guys when we talked to Dwight Galt later I think he's set to talk to us later he's probably going to mention Caden Wallace and I'm really interested to see what can happen but if you look at that that freshman class that came in of course Wigan doesn't really apply to that you've got Salim Wormley who's a guard all the way Um, but Caden's got length he's got the ability to play on the outside he's a little bit taller Um, so you're going to take that chance you're going to at least teach him how to play tackle in case you need him in the future and then you know Gonzalez leaves after this year you can you can slide him back down if need be. 
Defensive end, Sean, probably the uh, you know make the case that it's the deepest position on this Penn State roster right now. Um, and opposite of Utah Gross Matos, there's there we, we t- you said it, Shaka Tony is in control there. If he can you know c- continue that momentum and stay healthy through training camp, looks like he'll be the first team guy. But you got Shane Simmons uh, out of that same recruiting class back in 2016 was the top ranked defensive signee for Penn State. Then can he fulfill expectations? Can he stay healthy? And then of course a guy that I've talked about. More than enough here on this podcast, waiting in the wings, lurking, Jason away. Yeah, I found all your burners because you were uh, <laughs> about how uh, how low I had him. I have him as the third guy behind uh, Simmons and, uh, excuse me, behind Shaka Tony and Shane, Shane Simmons. So I think we're going to see away, uh, no doubt about that. He's going to have the opportunity to get after the passer, but he's not a three-down guy right now. Tony's more of that guy. Simmons is more of that guy. Um, Daniel Joseph, I think, is is an X factor that really nobody talks about because, you know, of course, on the other side, you've got Itor Gross Matos, but Joseph's a guy, he, he's flashed a little bit, but he hasn't been consistent. He hasn't stayed healthy as, as you'd like him to be. So he's one of those guys that, you know, could could make some plays this year or could, could get passed up. So a lot of talent in that DN room, uh, really high on Adisa Isaac as well. I think he's a guy that you're going to see get the treatment, throw him out there for a couple of games in September and see what he can do. Um, so I, I love defensive end. Of course, defensive tackle is going to need some work to figure out who those, you know, who those reserve guys are. You've got Windsor, you've got uh, uh, Mustafer and Antonio Shelton as the top three. You're going to see what you've got on a Hansard and Damian Barber and some of those other guys, the younger guys that come up through. So um, I think that they're fine there numbers-wise. There's a lot of defensive linemen on that roster. But as we mentioned, they're, they're over-recruiting that, that, that area, and they're going to see what they've got out of it. We're going to see a lot in the field, especially in September, uh, those first couple of weeks, I'd imagine. If things go according to plan for the Nittany Lions on the field, we'll see a lot of these guys. And it wouldn't surprise me if we saw Adiza Isaac kind of pull off what Jason Owe did last year. He had a couple sacks in that Kent State game. Then they kind of tucked them away for, for the duration of the season for the most part. Uh, could see him you know, kind of having that flash performance just because of how impressive he is athletically and his ability to get into the backfield. Um, linebacker here, uh, Micah Parsons. The job is his. Full-time first-teamer, um, Koa Farmer off to the NFL with the Oakland Raiders, going to try to make that roster. Micah Parsons, uh, you know, a lot of people expecting big things. USA Today uh, published something this week naming him one of the top 10 linebackers in the country. And for a guy who didn't focus in on linebacker until 2018, obviously we're talking about a rapid ascension for him at the position. Uh, you have him first team starting alongside returning starters, Cam Brown, Jan Johnson. But as we've said, this is a group that is loaded uh, with blue chip talent that has come in and really developed physically. Jesse Lucetta, Ellis Brooks. Uh, you got, of course, Lance Dixon, Brandon Smith coming in as well. Uh, and not just short change guys like uh, like Charlie Catch here. Um, so it's an interesting group, and, and I think there's a lot of talent here. It's, it's a spot that I expect to um, be markedly improved from game one on versus where this group was entering the 2018 season. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of, uh, I think, mixture in September, especially Cam Brown if he can't play in the first half of the Idaho game. I'd love to see Parsons over on the other side, give Luketa a shot to step up and see what he can do at will. Um, you, you've got the ability to play with some things. You're going to cross-train Micah Parsons to play on both sides. You're going to uh, cross-train Luketa to play in the middle as well. So Brandon Smith is going to be in that same mold. So somebody asked me on the board this week, are you worried about all the, you know, in the back seven, the youth and the, you know, the inexperience? And, and yeah, to an extent you are, but you've got the type of athletes that can make up for it. Micah last year, you turn on the film. I mean, you're, you're not looking at traditional linebacker play. You're looking at a guy 
who maybe makes a, a poor read and, and just he's able to make up with it for with his speed, with his athleticism, with some of the, the, the different type of instincts. So you've got a couple of those guys now that can do that. You're bigger. Um, you, you know, you still have Jan Johnson in the middle, um, but you've got Ellis Brooks who can push for that as well. So I think this is that's probably when you're looking at linebackers, uh, the middle is where you got to look to see how is that split going to play out. Uh, the staff, obviously very loyal to Jan. Jan, um, better than people will give him credit for, I think. Uh, but you, you still, I think Ellis Brooks is a talented kid, and you're gonna, you're not gonna want to keep him on the bench. And, and Ellis Brooks, I think, is a guy that can eventually break through and be the starter. Whether, whether that happens this year, I, I just don't know. The key for me with this linebacker group, I, I think, is are you gonna be able to crack the code, find the right combinations to get this group really heavily involved in getting after the quarterback? We know. That is in Micah Parsons' DNA. That was a big reason why he was considered a five-star prospect. We didn't get to see it much last year. Had a nice effort against Rutgers. Could have had a couple sacks in that game. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that goes for a guy like Cam Brown, too. And, and, and I think when Brandon Smith gets his opportunities, he's somebody who's shown that, that he can wreak havoc as a pass rusher. So it's going to be an interesting group because the way they could complement that, that defensive line group, which, again, loaded with athleticism, I just don't think there's a lot of teams on their schedule that they'll face this year or any year that are going to be able to counter things from this defensive front seven if they can find those right combinations and if guys do develop as we anticipate. Yeah, it's about, yeah, I agree. It's about finding the combinations. I mean, do you put Parsons' hand in the dirt? Well, who do you take off the field for that? You know, it's just kind of playing with that. And you're going to see Brent Pry do that in September, do some things. I think Cam Brown, um, you know, the staff thinks he's in line for a really big year. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's been a guy that, you know, hasn't always been the most consistent guy out there. So if he doesn't produce, do you flip Micah over there? Do you have Micah go after the quarterback from the Sam spot like we saw them do with Brandon Bell a couple of years ago? So, I mean, you, you certainly have options to play with. I think that's the biggest thing to take away from there. You know, you don't have, uh, what, 10 or 11 scholarship linebackers, but the guys that you do are really good athletes. And it goes back to uh, the story Charles Power and our 24-7 guys wrote a couple of weeks ago, if you miss, miss fast. These guys are going to miss fast if they miss. And in defensive backfield, not a lot of surprises here, particularly that cornerback, John Reed, Tariq Castro-Fields, right back in play. Got Donovan Johnson, a guy you'd like to, to maybe take another step forward. Trent Gordon as a redshirt freshman. We talked about Keaton Ellis, what he brings to the field among that cornerback group as, as freshman. Marquise Wilson uh, had himself a nice spring as well. Safety, though, I'm sure a lot of people scroll through this pretty quickly to get to safety because Garrett Taylor's back. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people have confidence in here as a fifth-year senior. Next to him, though, replacing Nick Scott, Lamont Wade has been the center of the discussion, entered the transfer portal briefly during the offseason, rededicated himself to the program, and and, and, he's all in to try to win this safety spot. We've been eyeing up Jaquan Brisker, and based on Mark's photos uh, from from, uh, these guys handing out posters and stuff downtown, he, he looks like a guy who has been in college for a couple of years now. He doesn't look like any of these freshmen who are coming in from the high school level. You've got Lamont Wade as the first teamer. I think that makes sense because he's been in this program. He's got spring practice. He's fresh off that. Jaquan Bresker has some catching up to do, but uh, this is going to be one that I think everybody, when we get these media access uh, in the practice fields, a lot of folks are going to be shifting their attention to that safety spot. Well, it's the biggest question on the defense, no doubt, and that's not going to change. So, um, and, and if you look at it, Jonathan Sutherland may have had the best summer out of all three of those guys. So, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where they go from there. I have Lamont Wade as, as the number one guy because he's been here. He's got the, uh, you know, the experience. He was here for spring. So, I mean, kind of 
not by default, but he's he's earned that spot right now. Um, you know, Sutherland at the other side has to be a more complete player in coverage. And Brisker, I mean, just so much potential, but we haven't seen him on the practice field yet. I, seen, I think we've seen enough to put him ahead of some of the other guys that you didn't think were going to, you know, break through and be part of that battle. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But safety continues to be the biggest question heading into this, uh, this preseason camp in August. Uh, we're not any closer to, uh, I think, uh, uh, not any closer to a solution, but you've got four guys in there that, that you think can, can play. Yeah, that might be the make-or-break spot. This defense you know, can truly be among the nation's best, maybe the best in the Big Ten. Just got to avoid the avoid poor play in the back. And, I, and I'm not saying that's that they're going to be in store for it, but it is a major question mark, and it is vitally important to get that figured out. Uh, we, we keep the spotlights on the specialists here at Lions 24-7. And, and Sean, uh, you've got one interesting change, a newcomer taking over uh, an important role in kickoff duties. Jordan Stout uh, is going to be a part of this somehow. Uh, kid's got a killer leg, um, but uh, not sure where really he fits in other than kickoff. Kickoff, he's there. I have him listed at punter behind Blake Gillick. And nobody's obviously supplanting Blake Gilligan anytime soon, but he could push uh, Jake Pinnegar as a uh, you know as a kick or excuse me as a field goal guy. We'll see what happens. They're going to get in there. They're going to have some competition. I think it's going to elevate both of their games. And as of right now, you've got Jordan Stout as a big leg as your kickoff guy. Not sure how that impacts Raf Cheka, um, but yeah, you add another big leg to that uh, to that room, and you can see him play right away, which obviously makes a it's a big deal. And I'm betting there were some double takes for people who maybe haven't followed our coverage all through the, the you know the day day to day like a lot of you do. But um, you know we wrote last month about how Joe Lorig, the new special teams coordinator, is very seriously considering putting not just considering but planning to put Micah Parsons uh, back next to KJ Hamler, uh, you know essentially ahead of KJ Hamler in kickoff return. So you've got him right there. Obviously you've got a nice group of running backs that we've talked about. They lend themselves to the special teams returns. Guys like Journey Brown, Ricky Slade. Devin Ford, Keaton Ellis in that mix. But uh, Micah Parsons stuff isn't just a fun talking point in the offseason. Fully expect that. Uh, to fully expect to see him back there when we uh, start when they start training camp and we get a chance to check out the guys fielding kickoffs. We saw him out there in the spring, and Joe Lorig really seems intent to maximizing this roster on special teams. And Micah Parsons is always a guy you want to explore ways to, to, to get involved in different phases. Well, it is a fun summer talking point. We'll we'll go from there. But yeah, I, I think Hamler is going to be a big part of that. He's you know, Lorig said that he, he will play starters back there as return guys, and we know how electric KJ Hamler can be. Parsons, of course, is there. Journey Brown is going to be interesting because you know if he's not going to be the starter, we expect Ricky Slade to be the starter at running back. If he's if Brown's not going to be the starter, that's an you know an opportune time to, for him to break through. Then of course you've got guys like Keaton Ellis and Devin Ford who are back who have made plays as return men. You know, I, I'm not sure that we, we would see any of those guys back there, but I think we'll see them back there fielding kicks and getting used to things like that. Donovan Johnson and John Reed. Uh, Penn State likes to have offensive guys uh, returning punts, but it doesn't always happen that way. We've seen Reed back there in the past. We've seen Donovan Johnson fielding kicks and Ellis back there as well. Hamler, Dotson, um, you got a couple of the running backs that could possibly do that. So they've got options. I mean, I think that's the, the clear thing to take away from this. They have a bunch of options. I think Hamler's going to be the top guy, but you've got a bunch of options at, at both spots. Yeah, Hamler is the guy as, as long as he's ready to take on that role, and, and, and he's going to be the guy they send out. I, Jahan Dotson, uh, I'm with you. I think he looks like the, probably the most polished guy 
John Reed is an interesting one as well. But uh, Sean, I, th- I think we've we've done a lot of dissecting now of the current roster. We're going to get a little more insight this evening when, when we get over to uh, to the practice facilities for for Live for Life, which again uh, definitely explore uplifting uh, athletes and and uh, donating to that. Um, but Sean, what do you, what are your initial thoughts? I guess here, uh, uh, you know, coming away, we've got these new numbers thrown away. Uh, to me, I just think this is the most athletic Penn State team I've covered. There's only been three of them, uh, but that's a good step in the right direction. They're athletic. They're big. They are deep. Um, it's one of those situations where you've got everything on paper that you could possibly want. Uh, Sands experience at quarterback. Uh, for, you know, Sean Clifford's gonna gonna get there eventually. But you've got you're going to have to be ready to take those freshman moments. Uh, you're talking about Rasheed Walker. You know, you're talking about these guys that are. You know, you're just going to look at and you say, okay, where is this talent? It's not right. It's not showing up right away. Well, it's going to show up eventually. He's got to take some lumps. Uh, that linebacker group is ultra talented, but they could find themselves out of position. Jaquan Brisker could be the same way. You know, it's just there's going to be some of these youth moments that, you know, the, the experience is not completely there for some of these guys, and that will come eventually. Just You just have to learn to take it in stride. There are a bunch of programs across the Big Ten in 2019 who are going to rely on youth in key spots. Penn State has recruited much better uh, than a significant amount of these Big Ten programs, and, and you want that to equate to maybe being able to, to overcome some of those uh, early mistakes from these young players. They're in a better position to do that than a lot of teams in this conference and a lot of teams in the country because of the athleticism they're going to put out on the football field, something that, that we've talked a lot about, whether it's with Chris Hummer, Charles Power documenting that. Uh, Sean, I think that's going to just about do it. Uh, one episode this week, but over an hour of content next week i am heading to chicago along with mark brennan for the big 10 media days uh we're gonna be joined out there by james franklin by blake gillikin by cam brown and john reed so uh along with a bevy of big 10 coaches and players so to me that that really kickstarts the the true countdown i know we've been counting down from 100 to the season but when i get back uh from chicago and landon state college it's, it's gonna all of a sudden be getting to late july and we truly are going to be shifting focus. Yeah, we're just a couple of weeks from media day, which means the start of uh, fall practice. And important to note, no Tommy Stevens at Big Ten Media Day either. I don't know if you saw that tweet, um, but uh, <laughs> I, I must have missed that one. Yeah, it was. It was. Please enlighten one. me. No, that's it was great. a special that's one. Uh, it's been. De- <laughs> it's since been deleted. Um, but uh, okay, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, Penn State's going to send their seniors out to to Big Ten. Uh, I'm going away at the end of next week, taking the family to Colorado. So. Um, in terms of recording schedule, if you're still listening, we'll get on next week at some point. Just don't know which day it's going to come. Um, but yeah, that should be that should about do it for us on the Lions 24/7 podcast. He's Tyler Donahue. I'm Sean Fitz. Reminder: uh, upliftingathletes.org. If you do want to donate to to the Lift for Life, uh, obviously a great cause every year. And you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, rate, review, uh, leave stuff for us, knock us up the rankings if you could. That'd be great. Um, but we'll we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Lions 24/7 podcast.